Welcome to the iPhone Photo Show, the only show that you need if you want to get better at photography and video using your iPhone. I am your host, Scott Bourne, along with my co-host, Mr. Jefferson Graham. Welcome to the show, Jefferson. Uh, happy to be here as always. Good Friday, everybody. Every single Friday, we do this show for free, and you can find it on any of your favorite podcatchers, all the regular platforms, also over at iPhonePhotoTeam.com, where we actually have the show notes. And we're going to start today's show, Jefferson, with a question from a listener. If you go to our Anchor FM page, which is listed in the show notes, you can actually record a question for us. And if we like it, and if we think we can fit it in, and if we think we can answer it, we'll do that. It has to be 60 seconds or less. So let's listen to what Arthur's question is. Hi, Jefferson and Scott. Thanks very much for the iPhone Photo Show podcast. This is Arthur McClanahan. And thanks, by the way, for the runner-up recognition for my waterfall photo in the January contest. My question is about your preferred camera app for use with the iPhone 13 Pro Max. Across the episodes of the podcast, you've talked about the native Apple camera app as well as recently Camera Plus 2. You've also mentioned First Light from the Filmic Pro team and Halide 2. Could you take a couple of minutes to recap the benefits of using the native app or any of the other apps instead of the native app? Thanks very much. His question was sort of like, which is, well, there's so many, which is your favorite? And that the pro, here's the problem. I don't have one. And the reason is that all of them do something very well that I need, but none of them do all of these things very well. I want to say right now, if you're a programmer, I may be looking to hire you because we're contemplating building our own iPhone photo team app for the Apple iPhone that would absolutely be the perfect thing, but that's another conversation. You know, I, I have to say that if I just very quickly want a down and dirty time-lapse that will look good, I'll use the native app. Likewise, if I want to use night mode, I'll use the native app. But if I'm doing like video, I'm going right to Filmic Pro and I might use their product Double Take, which is free, which lets me use two of the three cameras at once. I love the Beast Cam app when I'm using the Beast Cam anamorphic lens because it does the de-squeeze. I think the Pro Camera by Moment app may be the best all-round one for $6.99. But it just seems like no matter what, Jefferson, I need to use a different app for a different application depending on what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Like if I want to do, you know, blurry pictures where I make it look like I'm doing a long exposure, then, then I'll pick something different. If I want one of those fast-moving, you know, panoramic, approaches to things. I'll use hyperlapse. I, there's all different kinds of them. So pro camera, filmic pro, first light, double take, specter camera, beast cam, pro camera by moment, hyperlapse, and the native app. That's my answer, Arthur. And I'm sorry, it kind of sucks for you that I can't give you a favorite, but I do spend most of my time with the iPhone shooting video. And for that reason, my primary app is filmic pro because I just, I know it really well. I think it does a lot of things very, very well, and um, you can't really go wrong with it. And it's fourteen ninety nine. It's amongst the most expensive, 
but it turns any iPhone into a very serious cinema camera with all kinds of features that you don't find on an awful lot of cameras, in fact, unless you spend 10, 15 grand. Well, let me respond to the recording because unlike Scott, I pretty much do all video on the native video app. I probably could do better with Filmic Pro, but I am usually out there filming for my PhotoWalks TV series. It's a one-man band production. I've got to get the camera on the tripods, set up the shot, and I'll oftentimes interview somebody and make sure that we're in the frame and there's just too many choices for me in Filmic. Maybe the quality would be better, but I'm doing really, really good as far as I'm concerned. 4K, 4K video in the native app looks pretty terrific, and cinematic mode looks even better. So uh, as a run and gunner, I'm going with the native app. Well, I will often say you can't go wrong with the native app in most cases. You just can't have the kind of manual control that most of us who are professionals want because the native app just gets it right a lot of the time the problem is it's maddening for me is i don't know what it's doing it's just taking over i don't know how often it's going to do a frame for instance if i'm doing a, a time lapse i have no idea it, it's it bugs me so um one of the things i will suggest to you and our audience jefferson is if you want a more Apple native app-like experience, you can set up presets in both Beastcam and Filmic Pro that are sort of like the one-button option that you have in the native app. So you can say, I want to have a preset for slow motion. I want to have a preset for time-lapse at this many frames per minute. I want to have a preset for, for ProRes. I want to have a preset for 1080p. And then basically you hit one button, it's set up, then you hit record, you're done. So you might try that if you want to get a little more of a uh, native app-like experience out of Filmic Pro. Well, the great thing, Scott, is that Jeff and Scott are going to be together in July, and we're going to do some shoots together, and uh, we can do a little native versus Filmic Pro and vice versa, and uh, maybe share our experiences together on an upcoming podcast. What do you think? I, I think it's a good idea. And now we have a special guest. Susan Salmon, wife of the very famous Rick Salmon, our friend, who is a great iPhoneographer, and she's going to talk about apps. And like you, Jefferson, she's kind of really a big fan of the iPhone app that comes with the, the, the camera. And I think we should listen to what she has to say. Scott, I've got Susan Salmon here. You know, Susan travels the world with her husband, Rick, who is a friend of ours. And uh, while Rick is taking pictures on his Canon, Susan is shooting on the iPhone. And really interesting, Susan uh, has a lot of apps that she likes, but she takes most of the pictures without them, which is where I'm at as well. Susan, hi. Hi, Graham. Good to be here. Same here. Tell, tell everybody why you don't usually use the apps. You know, when I, I guess it has to be how I started taking photographs. So I would travel with Rick and we'd go somewhere and I would work with him on shoots. And when I got the iPhone, I started kind of snapping a few shots on the, on the side of my own. And they were just fun to share with people. But it wasn't until the app started coming out that I would then 
while he was doing something else, I'd be playing with my pictures, creating images, making more artistic images that I felt really excited about. And those early apps were like Camera Plus or Histomatic or these really, really old ones. And they just, the creativity was um, so free. And that's why I continue to use the apps. And it's hard to keep up now because now there are a zillion apps. I know. Now I love Lightroom. I think Lightroom is my favorite app overall. But I think, you know, Apple has come so far with the with the Photos app that they've gotten really good and really close. And sometimes you take the picture, it's right there, you click the edit button, it's just easier to do it in, in the camera app, right? Yeah, so I teach iPhone photography in, in my community. And when people come in, that's the first thing I do is I said, let's talk about the native editor first. And every year that I go to, you know, show what it can do, it becomes more powerful. So each generation of the iPhone, the in-camera editing is getting better and better. I agree with you. I think the black and white in particular is getting really good. But you said your favorite app, you know, outside, you said, is the Lightroom, Lightroom app. Mm-hmm. Mine is hands down Snapseed. Okay, so what, why? Snapseed is the greatest thing that ever happened. It Every time I open it. There's something else there. They continue to improve it. So one of my favorite features on that is the um, tool where you can take things out. They call it healing. So the first time Rick saw me do that with my finger, you know, we're at Arches National Park. We're taking this gorgeous picture. There's some person who's there that you don't want in the picture. And I just open it up. I push my finger around and I press a button and boom, they disappear. That is something that Snapseed, I think, does really well. Do you agree? Now. I haven't tried it, but I'll ha- I'm going to when we get off the phone here. L- um, what's it called? Lightspeed? Light Tricks? No, no, light, light le- no, no, no. Another one that was on your light list was Light Leaps. And my Ooh. Facebook feed sh- nonstop is ads for Light Leaps where they show somebody putting a finger on and erasing somebody. Now, do you do that in Light Leaps? Okay. So for, for Light Leaps, Light Leaps does a lot. And they changed that one, too. They used to have a strobe effect in there. I loved it. I sent them a note when they took it out. In Light Leaps, it does that, but the best thing it does is sky replacement. And it's because there's an eraser to it. So many of the sky replacements, when you use them, you don't have the ability to take it off the picture, the part of the picture you don't want it on. So if it didn't match up. So Light Leap, just so you know, has like, you know, pages of different skies, morning skies, afternoon skies, dramatic skies, you know, rainbows, this and that, that you can put in. And with the little tuning with the sliders, they give you some tuning. You can really make it look very lifelike. So that's what I love about Light Leaps. The other thing they have is a sparkle overlay. We take a lot of sunrise pictures. I know you do too. Where did you say you're going to take a picture of the skyline tomorrow? So, you know, of course we have the light comes up and that's always great. But I find these like, you know, little subtle sparkle overlays like really can make a sunrise look really um, spectacular. I should just say I use the sky replacement in Lightroom which I think does a really nice job. And I, I do it in Photoshop too, but but not on the phone. I do Lightroom on the phone to, oh, for the okay, sky so replacement. Do. It's really great. Okay. Yeah, Susan, where can people see some of these great photos? Okay, so on Instagram, my Instagram name is inspired, eat with an ED, iPhone photography. And that's where I just 
publish my images. I also like to go on Facebook has a page, uh, iPhonography. And what I like about that one is I'll post images and other people do, and they'll say what app they used. And, you know, I'll Google the app and say, oh, there's an app I didn't know and see if it's something that I want to kind of add to my bag of tricks. Susan Salmon, thank you so much. Today, I really want to get personal. I want to talk about something that's near and dear to me. I had an experience recently that really kind of shook me up. I witnessed firsthand someone being camera shamed. And of course, there's a ton of that on the camera forums. And there's a ton of people who post pictures of their high-end gear, but they can't take any good photographs with it. Anyway, the rest of this show, we're going to talk about a couple of other things, backup and camera shaming. And me moving in the direction that you pioneered. I have to let our audience know this show came about really as a conversation while Jefferson and I were driving down a dirt road in New Mexico. And I told him he should do a podcast. And then it came to my mind that I should do it with him. But the reason I thought he should do it was because he uses the iPhone for real, like as a professional on a regular basis. And he gets stupendous footage but he also carries around a sony rx10 mark IV for the things that the iphone can't do particularly getting out there with a long lens and i saw the footage from both and jefferson you've had quite an impact on me because i've owned some of the most expensive high-end top-of-the-line cameras and lenses in the world and i'm now enjoying the fact that I'm shooting shooting primarily with just an iPhone and my backup is the very same camera as you chose the Sony RX10 Mark IV. Let's let me tell everybody about this this camera because it did change my life. Totally changed my life. Um, folks from Sony came over to my garage a few years ago and they started to say, we got this camera. It has a smaller image sensor, but it's really cool. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And at the time, it had a 24 to 200 millimeter lens. Sounds pretty good. And so I started take, you know, taking pictures with it, taking video. It's 24 to 200 millimeter lens. Pretty great. And, and a 2.8 f-stop. Wow. Then they came out with the three, which was followed by the four. The four is the one with the 24 millimeter to 600 millimeter lens. People laugh at me. I, I go to places, for instance, Bosque del Apache with Scott and all those photographers with those giant 600 millimeter lenses. And I've got my small little compact. I mean, it's not that small, but it's real, compared to what Scott is carrying around and all the other photographers that were carrying around. I'm hand-holding a 600-millimeter lens, and I'm getting some pretty great shots. I can get close-ups of the birds flying. I can stand in a, in a place and, and look down the street and get a close-up of somebody. That is just amazing. Now, Scott was just in Alaska, so he'll tell you about shooting the eagles with, and that's not the band, but it's the bald eagles of Alaska, with uh, the ARX-10, which I look forward to hearing about. If you shoot on RAW on the ARX-10, even with the one-inch sensor, it's pretty dang good. What were your findings, Scott? Well, actually, I didn't shoot the eagles with it. <laughs> I didn't take that camera to last. I took the iPhone, and Panasonic loaned me the brand-new GH6 to take. So I haven't shot eagles with it yet. But just shooting it around my house, I was there, there was a flock of seagulls behind my house this morning. And just for fun, I threw it into 240 frames per second slow-mo, 
And then I brought the footage into my computer, and I was just amazed. <laughs> and it, the tracking autofocus is incredible. It doesn't have the world's best image stabilization, but it's more than good enough. And I just have to say that incredible freedom of one lens, nothing to, you know, nothing to carry extra, just one lens that goes all the way to 600. I mean, 600 is usually more than enough and it does have a smaller sensor, but with the advent of things like Topaz Denoise and, and On One No Noise, I'm not worried about high ISOs and smaller sensors. I'm just not because I've been cleaning these pictures up for years now off of my Micro Four Thirds cameras. So it's, you know, 1800 bucks with tax and everything else. It's pretty spendy for an older camera. It hasn't been updated in a while. But I have to say that it makes a perfect complement to my iPhone because I carry the iPhone and the RX-10 in one small bag that will fit even on those European airlines that, that give you like the smallest bag allowance known to man. It'll still fit <laughs> and you got everything that you need. And, and if you throw a small tripod or monopod or a platypod in your briefcase, you know, you, you're set up. I also like the fact that it, it has the ability to do audio monitoring ver and audio recording via separate inputs. It's really, you know, they, it's called a bridge camera because it's designed to bridge people who are moving from point and shoot to interchangeable lens. But I just, I fell in love with it. And mostly Jefferson because of you. Now, I was standing at a place recently well, you, you weren't there, but I was photographing birds, and this woman came up to me, and it was pretty crowded. It was at a place nearby where there's a lot of people who photograph great blue herons because there's a heron rookery here. And she asked me if I could if she could sneak in next to me because it was kind of crowded. I said, sure. Immediately, this guy on her left, which is she's between me and him, just pipes up real loud, well, you're not, you don't have enough lens to get anything from here. And, you know, she didn't ask his opinion, and most of us didn't want to hear it. But he didn't know anything about that camera, and he was dead wrong. 600 millimeters was more than enough from there. Um, I just responded with, hey, nice camera, because it's not my job to defend people I don't know, even though that was my inclination, and I'm trying to learn how to do things in the modern era. Um, I, I have to say, it really ticked me off. <laughs> it was her that he was talking to, because... I, I am just so sick of the camera shaming. I see it on the camera forums. I try to stay out of them because they're just cesspools these days. And people talk about this gear or that gear as if that's going to make them a great photographer. I know people, because they've come on my workshop, who have asked me, what do you have, and spent $20,000 to duplicate my kit and stood right next to me at Bosque del Apache and didn't get a single image in focus because, folks, it's the photographer, not the camera. And I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish that weren't the case because life would be grand. All it would take is money. Jefferson, if I could go down to the golf club store and buy the same clubs that Tiger Woods uses to hit 350-yard drives straight down the center of the fairway, I would do it. Yeah, and I told somebody once that I was going to spend $5,000 on a guitar, and he was like, and you think that's going to make you better? Well, no, it's not, but I felt like doing it. So I will say what you, what you said, it's not the gear, it's the photographer. 
true in most cases, except when we went to New Mexico to photograph birds and I tried doing it on the iPhone and I got great wide angle shots and I got great time-lapse shots, but I couldn't get a close up. So I did need the RX-10 4, which was you know, a godsend really. And the best I okay. could have done at home was I, I have a 7200 Sony that I use all the time on my a7 IV, but that wouldn't have gotten me very far. The RX-10 would. But what you didn't need was a $17,000 Canon 800 F5.6 lens, did you? No, not at all. No. What you didn't need was the latest Canon RX whatever body or Nikon body. See, that's the point I'm really making. The, the, the bridge camera is not considered much of a pro camera by most people and the iPhone certainly isn't by most people and what my position is is that you can have tools that some people would scoff at and still make publishable photographs now by the way just so you know the first photograph that I published from my iPhone while I was in Alaska last week immediately elicited three emails from folks who collect my work who asked for prints so they didn't care that it was from an iPhone. They liked the picture. It's the picture. It's the picture. It's the picture. It's not the process. So you, you do occasionally need some kind of piece of gear to get something done, but it doesn't have to be the newest, the most expensivest. That's not a word. I just made it up because I wanted to, or the greatest. It just has to be adequate to the task and you have to know how to get something out of it. I would argue that as I've gotten older and more practiced in photography, I could probably make a box camera from Kodak work. I just, I just need to have the vision. And I have an article, uh, you know, out on this already that is uh, on uh, the site. But it, it's David Dushman, who's a photographer who leads workshops, has a saying, gear is good, vision is better. So if you have one to pick from, pick better vision, being built, being able to see. You have an ability, for instance, Jefferson, to notice what's going to make a good time lapse, probably better than anybody I know because I enjoy almost every single time lapse you do. But everybody has time lapse on their phone doesn't mean they get good time lapse. It's, there's, there's not enough talk about seeing and feeling and wanting to tell stories and wanting to protect memories. And there's way too much talk because it's the talk that gets the clicks about F-stops and, and low-light performance. And I'm sorry, but I'm over it. Moral to the story is it's the photographer. It's not the gear. You can go out and buy a new camera. It'll be wonderful and maybe better than the, the previous one. But uh, it's your eye and it's timing and it's all those other things that Scott and I talk about a lot. Let me close it by reminding everybody that the iPhone is a great camera, <laughs> that mm -hmm. there are more tools on that iPhone than on many other cameras. For instance, you've got what basically is a 12 millimeter to 77 millimeter lens on the iPhone 13 Pro or, and Pro Max. Um, you don't have, you can't shoot 12 millimeter on that RX-10. You can't, you, you know, and anybody who has a mirrorless camera is going to have to generally reach for another lens to stick on there if they even have it, you know, to get super wide. Uh, I was photographing a bar mitzvah last weekend, and there is occasionally they leave the uh, alcove open, and you can walk up this ladder and go up to the alcove and get a big honking wide shot of the room, which is great to have. And it's really hard for me to have a camera by my side as I climb up a ladder. 
but I can climb up with the but I can climb up with the iPhone in my pocket, and I can go up there, and I can go on ultra wide and get a sweep of the room and give it to the client, and they say, "Wow, what a great shot!" They don't know what's on the iPhone, and they don't care. They just think it's a great shot, and I I could not have done that on my Sony. It is a great camera, and I made some really spectacular stuff when I was in Alaska with it. I, I really, a lot of people challenged me and said, you're not going to take an iPhone to Alaska, are you? And I said, I sure am. I got good video. I got some great video of eagles sweeping around each other. I got some beautiful time lapses. I did some nice scenics. I did some some group shots of birds. And one time I was so close, Jefferson, I was using the ultra-wide lens. <laughs> wow. So you, it is a great camera, and you should not let anyone tell you it's not. Be proud you're using it. And which leads us to our picks of the week. And before you give your pick, I'm going to be a wimp here because my pick is Apple Photos. It's, it's the Photos app on the phone, which has gotten so much better. I thought there was a chance they were going to knock Lightroom out altogether when they ripped off many of the best Lightroom features. Lightroom is still better, but if you take a picture, you're looking at it, and there's an edit button on top, and it's a lot easier just to click the edit button than to switch out of there and go to Lightroom and then import it. So uh, the Apple Photos app has so many features, whether it's uh, exposure, automatic, white balance, uh, boosting the blacks, stuff like that, that just in basically five seconds can dramatically improve your photo. And what's your pick, Scott? Well, I'll tell you in a minute, but I want to respond to that because things like cropping, you can do all of that in the Apple Photos app. And if you need to turn a picture around like instantly, like I took the picture and now I need to send it to somebody, it's a pretty darn good choice. And it is much more powerful than most people realize. And like you have experienced when you do your photo walks, most people don't have a clue as to the power of all the native apps on the iPhone. So it would behoove you, if you own an iPhone, to go online, go to Apple's website. There's tons of free stuff there. We have some stuff on our site, iPhonePhotoTeam.com, and learn more about these apps. Okay, my pick of the week is from Friends of the Show. It's, it's a new product that they created, actually based on my suggestion. It's called the Ultra Compact Smartphone Set from Platypod. And uh, it, today, as we record the show, it's 75 bucks. It gives you a Platypod Ultra, which is the base that you mount a ball head to, and then an adapter from uh, Geodos and ball head, and then a little uh, jellyfish smartphone holder that you can use to hold onto the phone along with clamps and and straps you can tie it up into different places trust me if you have one of these things you don't need a tripod it, it is that it's that good and it is particularly good as well if you want to work with things like macro if you add some lights to it it's only 75 bucks and you get everything you get the accessory kit you get the platypod, which is the base. You get the ball head, and you get the iPhone holder. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes. It's really quite a nice little combo. Platypod is not a sponsor. They are friends of ours. They are giving away a $180 set of their gear to somebody who's going to win our photo contest for the month, which we will announce next week. And you need to enter our photo contest by going to the iPhonePhotoTeam.com website, 
posting your pictures in the various circles. Now think of circles as genres, things like weddings and events, landscape, scenic, sunrises, sunsets, etc. Jefferson and I will pick one and we will notify the winner. Now the only caveat here is you must have a U.S shipping address because it's just too hard for us to ship stuff overseas so if you have a u.s shipping address you will win the prize and then we will pick a couple of honorable mentions and you should hang out there as well just because there's some good photography there and you can critique and you can have your images critiqued it's, we're building quite a community we have 300 photographers who are already participating there after just starting it and i'm i'm pretty jazzed about it i put pictures up there Jefferson puts pictures up there. So go ahead and post your images and get a chance to win something from the folks at Platypod. All right. I can't wait to start going through the pictures with you. Yeah, it's always part of the, actually my favorite time of the month. I love looking at the pictures. We get some really amazing ones, which should be the ultimate arbiter of how good the iPhone is. is people are making pictures this good with it. Well, we want you to know a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, we have an email address. You're welcome to use it. iPhonePhotoshow at gmail.com if you want to send us questions, comments, concerns, feedback. You have ideas about who we should have on as a guest or what you'd like us to pick as a pick of the week or you have something you want us to review. That's the email address to use. We are at i phonephototeam.com with the show notes every week now you can find the show on every single podcast player it's on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. it's even on amazon's uh setup you can get it over at spotify wherever you want it but uh, please subscribe please tell your friends about it if you like the show it's free it's every friday and we have those backup show notes at the iphonephototeam.com website. We publish the show at 6 a.m. Pacific time and the show notes usually come two to three hours later so you know what to expect. We do have the contest we talked about and we also have regular events. We're, we're going to start having chats. The next one will uh, happen sometime late April. We, we By the time this show airs we will have uh, just scheduled our first one. We also have workshop stuff now on the site that's free. We're going to be posting free classes. There will be some paid classes, but we're going to start adding a lot of content in the next 30 days. So be sure that you visit iPhonePhotoTeam.com. It's really, really, really fun, and we'd love to see you there. Now, Jefferson, when you're not on the show with me talking about iPhone stuff, where can people find you? Check out Season 4 of PhotoWalks TV. Whereas we're driving up and down Highway 1, Central Coast of California, one of the most epic road trips in the world. So please check that out on YouTube, youtube.com slash TV. Look for me on my websites, jeffersongram.net, photowalkstv.com, at jeffersongram on Twitter and Instagram. And how about yourself, Scott? I'm on Twitter at Scott Bourne. I also have a website called scottbourne.com. And I am almost always every day over at iphonephototeam.com so come hang out we'd love to hear from you that's it that's what we have for you this week we're looking forward to talking to you in seven days about the iphone and how to get the most out of the camera that you have in your pocket thanks for listening